You have 24 minutes. You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 24-Hour Nation is for stakeholders in American cities who want economically and culturally vibrant nighttime economies that are also safer, more inclusive, and respectful. 24-Hour Nation is also for those looking to enrich their travel experiences by discovering the newest and most innovative things to see, do, or savor in top U.S. cities. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24-Hour Nation. You can find us online at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24-Hour Nation. Today, we spend 24 minutes with Albi Bocanegra, Vice President of Global City Partnerships for MasterCard. As part of its City Possible initiative, MasterCard has assembled an impressive international team of nighttime economy leaders, policymakers, civic organizations, and industry partners. This 24-hour cities network is helping to design and create best practices for cities of all sizes in the areas of nighttime governance, public safety, mobility, and economic development. So, what's possible for 24-hour cities from this international initiative? And what can your city do to participate? Let's find out. Here's Albi Bocanegra. When I joined MasterCard about three years ago, City Possible was a brand new concept. And there was only a handful of cities that had joined the network. It was growing, right? So it first started out as like a network of cities talking talking to each other about some of their challenges and, you know, and some sharing some best practices, et cetera. It was very you know, organic and the conversations were real and it was fantastic, right? It was a great starting point. And now, you know, over the last few years, it's kind of grown into an ecosystem. And the reason why I call it an ecosystem is because it's not just cities talking to each other. Now it's industry partners. So not just MasterCard, but but other industry partners that are in the mobility space and the payment space and the data space, et cetera, along with knowledge partners. So academics, conveners, thought leaders, and civil society. So we have NGOs and and other partners that represent cities all in the same conversation about how can cities just run better, more effectively, and more equitable for residents. And so that was the whole premise around City Possible. Now we have about 335 global cities combined between knowledge, industry, academic, and NGO partners. We have about 50 of those. So basically our ecosystem represents about 400 different entities. The conversations haven't changed. The topics are still the same. The challenges are the same for cities. We still really, you know, we're very focused on that and focused on solving for a lot of those issues. But me as as a technologist or as a, you know, as I like to self-proclaim myself a futurist, is I like to think about what's next and what's coming and what kind of technology is going to impact people and residents. Um, But also, what are the things that we should be focusing on? I'm a former municipal leader. I was the chief technology officer for the city of New York. And so I am very people-centered in my approach, but also I, I like to be pragmatic as well. And I like to know what are the issues and what are different ways to approach it. And so that's where kind of where we are today. We've grown exponentially. You know, we had a city in the network, Bogota, that uh, was building out their nighttime programming. They were working on their night museums and some of their cultural programs. And they reached out to me as, as you know, that that is the kind of relationship I benefit from with cities. As they said, Albie, 
what other cities in the world are doing a good job with their nighttime governance or with their nighttime programs? My my first reaction was, you know, New York, because I was, you know, in the same administration as, as the current nightmare. Um, I saw a lot of cool uh, cultural events and things that they had done. And so I immediately thought to plug them in and bring them into the conversation. So started off with two cities talking to each other about what they're doing and what works well and what doesn't. Then we created a small round table of maybe half a dozen cities. I just immediately realized that this is an area that we really should be focused on. The, you know, the night economy is a critical driver for cities. Small and medium enterprises very strongly represented in there. So it made sense from a MasterCard perspective. It made sense from my municipal background. And it made sense from a relationship perspective, the people I knew that was doing this work. So, you know, here we are. I think the first session had... I don't know, 50, 60 people, second session, same. And so this, this group, uh, it's growing. The conversations are getting better. We're publishing summaries after each engagement and we've got big plans for the coming year. I was going to ask you how with, with mobility and cybersecurity and digitizing city services and tourism recovery yeah. post COVID, what place the nighttime economy on city possible's radar. So you're saying Bogota, that particular well, city community said, you know, who else is doing this? Is that, is that about it? <laughs> kind of like that. But I, I think, look, just to rewind a little, the nighttime and nighttime activities have been in my DNA since the 90s. They just happened to ask the right question to the right guy. There were, I was like, wait a minute, nighttime? I love the nighttime. I've been DJing since the 90s. Uh, you know, <laughs> I used I went to warehouse parties. I DJed at clubs for 15 years. I, I uh, invested in and organized music festivals. I mean, this was all in my wheelhouse. Like it was it like a switch went off when they asked about like nighttime activities in the nighttime economy. I'm like, not only as a municipal official, do I understand the engagement perspective? As MasterCard, I kind of understand the economics and how this works and how this benefits people and cities. But more than anything, as, as someone that grew up in the nightlife, I totally get why this is for the culture and for people and just mental health and the investment worthiness and the attractiveness to visitors of thriving nightlife means and a nighttime, not just nightlife, but just a nighttime means for cities. And so just, it was like all of my worlds collided in that with that one question of who's doing good work with their nighttime program. I was going to ask, why does this matter to MasterCard? At City Possible, we are very much in the business of helping cities achieve their goals of bringing prosperity to their residents. And if having a thriving, you know, nighttime economy to supplement your daytime economy doesn't scream that, then I don't know what does, right? It just makes, to me, it makes sense. But again, like, it's really my passion driving this because no one like invited or asked me like, hey, Albie, you should really do something about the nighttime. This was like something I latched onto and said, I need to do this. I need to lead this. I don't know how, (laughs) but we're going to make this happen. And I just happen to have an amazing uh, ecosystem engagement manager that totally got it and was like, let's do this. Let's figure this out, just you and me, and then we're going to build it. And then we came across Andreina and right. it just all clicked. And we said, look, we've got an expert in residence. We've got someone that understands how to engage our ecosystem. And then you have me, who's like a megaphone for good ideas, for crazy ideas. And so I said, well, let's do this. And here we are. And and like you said, it does kind of satisfy both sides of the brain. It's not only the kind of science and data and math 
part of the value of the nighttime economy. It's also the emotional and spiritual and social building, too, aspect yep. of the nighttime economy. Now, the first insight report that uh, which can be found, by the way, um, I, I grabbed it and I parked it on the 24 Hour Nation website as well. It's parked under resources because it's so strong. It addressed nighttime governance, how the night times are being managed in various cities and from various perspectives. There were several case examples given, one being in New York City, of course, where you have a great deal of knowledge as well, uh, Montreal. In Canada, uh, mm-hmm. with my friend Matthew is uh, was uh, probably one of your panelists or presenters, and Melbourne was Australia. What stood out from you in those three case studies in that report? I think the the number one thing was really that it, the understanding that there was no one group that was solely responsible for solving for this. Do you have? the advocacy perspective, you have the policymaking perspective, you have the small business perspective, and then you have the participant perspective, right? But, you know, you have enough different viewpoints at the table to really build out a holistic approach on establishing a strong nighttime economy or just a, you know, a nighttime program. And so the thing that stood out was that just everyone really kind of gets that. And I think that's, that was what really, drove home for me that we were doing the right thing by convening all of these groups is when you do have all these groups that are doing excellent work and that really understand that collaboration is the way to move forward is you need that convener. And so that kind of was a reminder that we are taking the right approach by bringing all of the right stakeholders together and now creating another ecosystem, right? Now, so we have our big global cities ecosystem, but then you have to kind of get a little bit down to the block and neighborhood level, right? And how does how does this impact this particular city? How are, how are these approaches different? But ultimately, the one thing underpinning everything is that everyone understood that collaboration was the key to move forward. And so that, that to me is what, when you look at like smart cities, you've uh-huh. got a bunch of differing opinions, right? If you ask a room of 50 people what smart cities, what a smart city means or what a, what a smart city is, you'll get 50 different answers. Right. If you ask the same room about like what a healthy nightlife economy or what a healthy nighttime economy or nighttime in a city is, you're going to get a lot of the topical similarities. You're going to get a lot of people kind of really understanding. So it's not like this fuzzy, everyone generally understands in that nighttime economy, what we're all aiming towards. And they understand that it requires everyone having a, a voice to, to move forward. And the report again, which is called, uh, it's from City Possible, pioneered by MasterCard. It's called 24 Hour Cities Network Governance Workshop Insight Report. Mm-hmm. And this is the first of several reports coming out. That's right. Yeah, we'll, we will produce one for all four sessions. Uh, we just had our, our safety at night session. So that one was really fantastic. I'm not going to provide any spoilers here, uh, but that report will come out in a couple of weeks. Then upcoming, we'll, we'll have the, the mobility session, transit and mobility, and then we'll wrap it up with a session on economic development. Um, because again, the nighttime, you know, it touches everything. There's a little bit of, of every component of how a city runs in the nighttime, obviously, right? The nighttime should look just like the daytime in terms of how it's run. And so we're bringing all those things forward, bringing them to the discussion. For me, I focus on those four topics because these are things that cities can touch and feel and take action on. So that was important to me. Yeah. 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 We're a cities network, you know? Right, right. And it's also about awakening themselves to 
the fact that the world doesn't stop at 5 p.m. And uh, uh, although perhaps many of the government structures are structured that way, it's an opportunity to rethink that. Yeah. There there are three myths that are pointed out in this uh, first insight report from the governance workshop. One of the myths was shorter nights equals better nights. This idea that curfews and lockdowns and restricting business hours seem like tools that governments can use to manage conflicts or crime. We've seen this in Sydney, Australia, when they did the lockdowns for a couple of years. What is your take on that myth? Shorter nights equals better nights. How do you communicate to people? Not necessarily. (laughs) I mean, I think this is, look, a lot of our parents kind of embedded this thought process in us, right? Like my mom always said, you know, nothing good happens after 12 a.m. or nothing. (laughs) And and I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, everything good happens after 12 a.m. Mom, what are you talking about? But, you know, so it's like this way of thinking that has been embedded in us from a very young age. But I think, you know, obviously not correct, right? I think it's, it is the way that um, you spread the benefits and that you spread the policies and programs and ensure that it kind of covers everything like and that way it's not limiting right you know saying that you know you shouldn't city can't operate the same after 5 6 9 10 p.m. uh is very limiting right and i think that you know when you have these dense environments and you have traffic during the day i mean i think at night it just opens up a whole it's like a tale of two cities right it, it you have a different experience i don't know if you've ever just like at 2 3 a.m. ever just walked around a city that isn't that the best yes okay so i'm the same way i love to i used to in new york when i lived there um I, my wife and I, and sometimes with our kids would just drive around because you can drive around Manhattan at 3 a.m. and there's no cars. And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't see that deli before that shop or that, you know, you're experiencing it in a whole different way. Um, So, no, I think it's super limiting to think that way. And, you know, when you have less cars and less traffic and less um, commuters in the city, you can experience the city in a whole new way. So it just opens it up and spreads out the the benefits of living in a wonderful city to everybody. I agree. And also, it it kind of is a narrow thinking of what the night's all about. It isn't just about the nighttime. isn't just about nightlife. There's an entire work culture that takes place at night. Shorter nights are not necessarily better nights. (laughs) No. That's absolutely right. Myth number two was more police means more safety. There's a lot of discussion about this globally right now about we're not going to police our way out of this problem. And yet many cities still try to solve nighttime issues by deploying more police and more surveillance, some kind of comfort to people. What what did you learn about this myth in that discussion? Yeah, so that I mean, so this is where. Uh, MasterCard got to shine a little bit. Is so we created a program with Birmingham. So after you know there was a police shooting and there was you know some serious issues in the community, uh, we deployed one of our technologies, was our test and learn technology, creating basically a, a a digital sandbox to kind of predict outcomes of programs. And we used to use that for our no, we still we use it for our retail partners, but but we just we used it for our local government to help them create their nine one one diversion program. Ah. Uh, and so yeah. So when it, you know, when 911 was being called, they're able to kind of instead of sending the police immediately, they kind of evaluate whether it's a mental health expert or, you know, a different kind of reaction is required for that call. And so helping them kind of field and solve that. So I don't believe that more police means more safety. I think better programming, creating different ways to engage as cities with people at night better like violence de-escalation and also leveraging technology that exists out there to me 
feels like a more responsive way to to operate as a city or as as a neighborhood or a community. I would agree. And about responsiveness. Right. And then the report also outlines some other examples of other ways that um, peace and calm and uh, joy can be kept in the night as is being um, implemented by some cities around the world. Myth number three. We touched on it briefly already. Nighttime is party time. You know, to many people, it seems like uh, the nights for lively concerts or pulsing nightclubs, et cetera, rowdy bars. This is kind of a narrow point of view. I mean, I, when I tell people like, Hey, I started a 24 hour cities network. They're like, wait, this is like for clubs and, you know, festivals. And the answer is yes, but it's way more than that. It is so much more than that. I mean, I think when we surveyed the the attendees, the number one activity that the people said that they do at night was exercise was going to the gym because they're less crowded and there's less people there. And when you think about like Bogota, who is doing these night museums and night markets, I mean, people might want to go, there's people that want to go grocery shopping at night. There's also, I also think that this myth is particularly dangerous because there are people who are shift workers. There's hospital workers. There's, you know, there's people that have different chips and, and, you know, if they want to experience things at night or they just have a different way of going about, you know, uh, uh, grouping all people that are out at night together, lumping them all into one group is just a, that's a weird way to think. Right. And I think we've looked at how that kind of thinking on, on different topics, on different things kind of creates negative outcomes for communities. And so we don't, we definitely don't want to find ourselves doing that when there is so much more to the night. Well, I think also, too, you pointed out um, with the reference to Bogota that uh, there are also cultural differences and in different uh, communities in the states and in different cities around the world. Um, cultures like to engage the night differently. In some instances, mm-hmm. it's a family activity. It seems to me that MasterCard, in, in addition to being a financial services corporation, is also a data corporation, Correct. I mean, we we act, you know, we work with cities today and we're, we're providing them with uh, spending uh, insights and retail insights to tell them to paint a picture for them of what their economic activity looks like down to the block level. So we, you know, in, in an aggregated valuable. way. And, yeah. And it's aggregated anonymous. It's clean data. So it's very. So from a city perspective, especially cities that are very, you know, that care a lot about their data privacy and transparency, right. et cetera. It's a great tool because it is, you know, it's, it, it provides all this information in aggregate. Um, and it's anonymized, but they're able to at least look at, here's a snapshot of, of my economic activity before, during, and after uh, any particular thing, right? Whatever they choose, if it's moving a building, changing a, a transit route, et cetera, um, you know, they're able to get that information. And the cool thing about this for me um, is as we start advancing more in our data offerings, we could look at slicing that up and looking at it in different ways. And maybe there's a way that this information, this data could benefit uh, policymakers, program builders, advocates, et cetera, about the night economy. I agree with you. I think that that's, um, it would be a huge benefit, particularly as, as cities are assessing uh, where they need to make an investment, where the investment already is and how they can capitalize on it. Uh, Andreina Asayas in her summary in the report gives this quote, building effective strategies to develop governance will be crucial for any city looking to be a true 24-hour city, whether this be building out government nighttime offices, creating government-sponsored outside advisory groups, or leveraging city-led initiatives that push the, push the city to act. It's up to the whole community to develop quality nighttime cities. Uh, how is MasterCard City Possible going to put some traction on this thinking? 
Yeah. I mean, look, for me, I think the best thing that I can do, and this is not just for this topic, but for all topics, is just to get all of the right voices in the room, get all of the information, all of the best possible information and present it to our cities and make that available so they can make create better programs and better strategies for how to develop a nighttime economy or any kind of thing. So like, you know, kind of bringing it back to what I was saying at the beginning is my job is really to look at what is happening today with cities and look at what's going to happen tomorrow, helping predict that a little bit and bringing all of that information back to our city so they can consume it understand, synthesize, and be able to make better decisions. Most of them, we hope, would be data-driven. And so that's what I can do is provide the information and the data kind of to support that and to empower cities so they can build out programs with a much better perspective than what, you know, what they could have had about any particular subject. And so this being that one of those. And probably with a deeper uh, perspective than they might be able to generate on their own as an individual well, city. That's absolutely right. I think capacity is one of the biggest challenges, especially when you look at cities that are trying to build out like their innovation teams or even like their nighttime offices, right. you know, c- capacity is a, you know, it's always going to be a challenge. I think even now uh, when cities are looking to building their nighttime office or, or create a nighttime czar or nightmare, et cetera. I think one of the challenges is for people to take that seriously and say, okay, this is a, this is a serious endeavor that a city is taking on. But when you have data backing that up and when you have uh, programs and you have best practices, I mean, just like any tech project or any kind of new project that a city would take on, the more that you have, because a lot of this will live in the public realm and the public will want to understand better, the more information that you have to present your case and the more information you have to build out programs that respond to resident needs and you have that that, that you can make available to people, um, Again, it, it it creates more transparency and and better engagement between people and their uh, cities and their residents. And also gives you the opportunity to measure progress and success. I'm speaking Absolutely. with Albi Bocanegra, Vice President of Global City Partnerships with MasterCard. You can learn more about this program on the on the web at citypossible.com. They are also on Twitter at City Possible and on LinkedIn at City-Possible. Uh, Albi, the last word is yours. What do you want others to know about City Possible, the 24-hour cities network, and MasterCard's leadership in this initiative? We understand that through collaboration is how cities progress and move forward and make better decisions together. The second part is that, you know, there are no silos in in the way that we approach things. Um, We believe that bringing information, conversations, even the hard ones are really critical and important to have as a global community. And then the third is obviously that, you know, our door is open for any city that wants to participate and join our network. I mean, we are, you know, 335 strong and growing. I think that's, that sounds like a big number to a lot of people, but when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, there are way more cities across the world. And I want everyone's voice in that conversation. I think that's the most important because there, there might be some nuance or there might be a different viewpoint that maybe one city somewhere out there has that they could bring to the conversation. And I'm interested in that. Um, It's not about the big cities and it's not about, you know, as much as I love New York and I love, you know, London and and Paris. And I'm also curious to what the small and medium cities are doing, because I think they've got uh, agility and they're nimble and they're hungry for innovation. And so 
I'm interested in, in building out this global ecosystem. So the door is open, the invitations out there and for 24 hour cities, I mean, you know, again, the more the merrier, more voices, more, more, uh, you know, brains in the room is, is all I want. has been Season 1, Episode 15 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Learn more about us at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24hournation.